Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back. Welcome in. Happy New Year. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com. I am Mike Casaza. This is a Paramount Podcast. That is Chris Anderson. Chris, welcome to 2024 uh been a long time how are you i'm doing just fine just trying to get back on my sleep schedule i don't even i didn't even tell you this before we hopped on here but santa brought a puppy oh for boy. christmas and uh yeah but what did you do sleep schedule that? going on that's that's cool <laughs> yeah what type uh golden retriever oh perfect so hopefully he's smart but still working on the sleep stuff Doing okay though. Last night, last night was a full seven hours. So that's I'm hoping that's the start of something new. Can we ask the name or is that proprietary? Uh Rufus. My oh. kids would not come off Rufus. So classic dog name. Yep. I like it. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Let's talk about another chapter of our lives beginning here. Chris transfer portal closed. Um, I don't know. Did you uh have a noisemaker, confetti, top hat, glasses, anything fun to commemorate the closing of the portal? No, because there's always, 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 always shenanigans that come along with, with all of that and the caveats. I guess I didn't put up my caveat story this year. I could just run it back from last year, but it comes with the usual stuff. Guys can still leave one. They just have to sit out. Um, graduate transfers can leave at any time, so... The portal's not closed for those guys. Um, and yeah, the the other, I think the third caveat was the 48-hour rule, which hasn't really come into effect with West Virginia. They've been pretty good about when a guy says they're leaving, they just put him right in there. So I think you're good on that front. Also, too, you get 30 days and there's a coaching change. I don't know. I'm I'm somewhat familiar with that rule. I don't know if I've had to deal with that recently. Oh, wait, yeah. Um, and then there were a small number of coaching changes that were in December. But if you're looking for, let's just say a West Virginia angle here, I'm not saying that they, they can't fish in deeper waters. However, Tulane, Wyoming, Troy, New Mexico state, those are all schools that filled, excuse me, that had coaching changes within 30 days from what we're talking right now. Today is uh, January 3rd. I think Willie Fritz is December 3rd. So all like, you know, that, that Tulane, Wyoming, Troy, New Mexico State, those are some good teams there. Um, the coaching changes, you can go into the portal within that 30-day window. So if it's closed, but you're at day 26, you still have a couple of days. So you're going to see more players go in. And then true to form, yesterday, the 11th hour, literally, you saw a number of quality players out of a bowl game, whether it was a New Year's Six game or one of the late outlier games, jump into the portal and get some headlines in the last second. I don't know how that squares of coaches but players that's got to be hectic too because 
how many spots are filled up. And if you're, for example, the quarterback at Liberty, you're going to be a high-profile player when you go in. How many schools have filled their need at quarterback right now? Quite a few. The other part of that is that there's a lot of elite programs out there that are looking for a quarterback, like an Ohio State, uh, Auburn, places like that, that the quarterback who jumps in now, he's available. If there's fewer suitors than there were before, well, then maybe he's a higher priority too. A lot of um, a lot of strategy that goes on. Let's talk about West Virginia, Chris, because now we have to discuss the strategy here. I'm not sure that there was a lot of post-bowl surprises. We knew there were players who were on the team that would be playing in their last game. It comes out that Jared Bartlett, as had been reported, speculated, whatever word you want to use, he had squared it with the coaches and the team. Can I play in this last game with you guys? I do play in the transfer. Everybody said, yeah, all good. He has a great game, goes out, doesn't style, does it the right way. Not a surprise. The surprise, Chris, was on Tuesday morning, Pamiwa Durajayi transfer portal. I'm not telling you, I'm not asking you, Chris, to tell people how they should feel here. But how should people feel about this? Not great. Not overly, you know, it, it shouldn't completely ruin your day. It's it's a little, it hurts because he's a contributor. Like, there was no doubt about it. His role was likely to increase next year. But to what extent with Sean Martin still there? still quote unquote in front of him maybe maybe they're battling for a starting job maybe they mix things up and slide guys around if if, if one or both of them are versatile enough to do that but I got to thinking when I was looking up I was like how, how I mean I know he was a contributor this year but how much did he play relative to the rest of the defensive line and then I saw his snaps and it was 270 snaps I'm like oh that's that's not that's not a lot at all like that's less than Hershey McLaurin I think and you know, he's basically like a spot guy. But then he was the fourth most defensive lineman, and I think you know most snaps by a defensive lineman on the team. And I think that goes to show just how spread out those snaps are. And we saw it all year long. They, like these numbers aren't different than what your eyes saw during the season. They massively rotated defensive line. Like there were a ton of guys that played snaps. I think ended up with like eight guys or nine guys that played like ten snaps a game or something like that. So I wouldn't be overly depressed about this move. I mean, it hurts. Like, he's a good player that wanted to keep him. It's none of this, you know, revisionist history stuff that you see some schools do, but um, it's not the end of the world either. No, which is a change for West Virginia. They've lost high-impact players before. I guess more to my question, though, Chris, not that there's anything wrong with your answer, this is one of those things that you, you kind of are conditioned to perhaps blame the coach, blame the program, recruit, retain, develop. We've done this song and dance how many off seasons in a row now because that had been a weakness for this program. Not winning, not having fun. And then that whole feeder system complex or feeder system setup was really amplified when the portal became so popular and NIL became a mechanism to pull one player away from another school and West Virginia admittedly was behind. I think everything is is better in this state right now. The NIL is healthy. They look like they had a lot of fun. They won some games, and yet this still happens. This this seems much more like bug than feature. I hope that makes sense. I'm not saying that West Virginia is a perfect program. It's not who is, right? But I also don't think that you can automatically just pick up the, the bow and shoot the arrow and, and do the same thing you've always done here just because you've taken aim at it before you can do it again. This, this feels more like an outlier of a situation because I don't know that this was on their radar until a couple of days after the bowl game. 
evidently he had uh, a fine NIL arrangement. We can talk about this sometimes too, how they tier these things pretty much like caps, as we've discussed before, where they're willing to go with players. They have a whole apparatus for scouting and evaluating people. And it might not even matter. Who knows? The other part about this is that this is part of the new reality, but also this is one that West Virginia sought to avoid to be proactive. Go get a guy who'd already transferred and couldn't leave again until he either went pro, which would have been two seasons, graduated, which probably would have been two seasons, or he could transfer and, and take a risk with a waiver, which, believe it or not, they're infrequent. Yeah, the judge and wheeling kind of opens Pandora's box here, and this is going to happen everywhere right now, too. And I guess that's the part about this that I, I think people have a hard time squaring. It's very easy to blame the sport or the school, one, one or the other, sometimes the player, but I don't know what you do right now. I think you have to see a whole bunch of these and how players handle it to really have an idea what the effect is, what the intent is, and how players are taking advantage of it and how schools are harmed by it. And and to your point, you're right. Is it the end of the world? No. But they're not better because they lost him. They had plans for him to be a good player. And this is just the reality of having this TRO in order. And even if you go in, the NCAA has already said we're not going to retroactively punish people. Lesson learned, I guess, and that if you go in right now while the TRO is in a order, in order, you do not have to sit out the upcoming year. So there's no way that he's taking a risk right now. Apart from he's leaving a power five program, is one going to be willing to take him and take the chance that he might move again? Who knows? That's a that's a stigma that maybe players have to have to deal with. But this is man, this is quite a monkey wrench, is it not? It is, and I've seen some a lot of commentary on it and the move and why it happened and how it happened. And I mean, it's, it's hard not to look at it a certain way. And one that, I mean, if you're overly pessimistic, which some Mountaineer fans tend to be, um, this is a situation where you may have, you know, the basketball team fought so hard to get battle eligible and subsequently no Farrakhan eligible so that the basketball team could go from 10 and 20 to 13 and 17 with the interim coach and then lose him for next year. And then it's going to cost the football team, you know, right now only one player and maybe it ends up only being one player, but that's a hard thing to kind of square away that, you know, was it, I think that's the underlying theme that I've seen from a lot of posts and comments from a lot of West Virginia fans was, was it worth it to get battle eligible for this year for basketball when it might cost this program, not only this year, but down the road um, for years to come. This comes in waves, Chris. I don't think people really understood the restitution rule which suddenly became a very big deal that ultimately ticked off the judge wheeling. And I think, I think this is unfair, but I think that what he saw the NCAA do made him say, you know what? No, the the restraining order is in effect for the entire year now and you can't do anything about it. I don't think people understood that retribution, that um, excuse me, restitution rule where you can come back and say, actually you played, we won, you were ineligible, you forfeit. I don't think people realize the effect on other sports with this TRO. And I think that they were so focused on the basketball aspect of it, whether it's locally because of West Virginia or because of the way that some basketball cases were used, especially the denial of appeals or the granting of appeals and how, what's the word? Um, 
arbitrary and capricious. I believe that was the words in Battle's lawsuit. I don't think people realize that it was going to spill over into other sports, and you just think, oh, football's portal closes on January 2nd. Uh uh-uh. um, it, it, it's It does a whole lot of different things now because you can go as often as you want. And it just seemed like the initial reaction from coaches that that I I talked to people who knew the coaches and and I, I shared this too. This one person I talked to, his football coach went to his AD and was like, "What are we doing here? Do you realize how significant this could be?" And, and it's not just the guys who have already transferred once they can transfer again, but it's the guys who want to be picky about when they transfer because you only get to do it once until you graduate. And some guys just graduate and go pro, or graduate and they don't want to play football anymore. So. Now you're saying, wait, a minute, I can graduate, I can transfer once, and if it doesn't work, I can transfer again and again. And now you just have that—that that makes this whole fickle nature even more fickle, and that that could be problematic there. So we'll see how far this goes, how deep this goes. But I guess the good news for West Virginia is that anybody who goes into the portal now, it's not going to be because of um, in this in this period now where it's closed, it's not going to be because of this TRO. It's going to be because of coaching changes, which don't exist, or people who graduate, which we already know who's graduated and. Bartlett would be the one who's in the portal right now. So I don't know how many other graduates would be thinking about it. I'd take a look at the list and try to figure that out, but that's kind of unfair. Um, and then also... Hey, speaking of that graduation thing, mm-hmm. you don't mind me jumping in here. Have you noticed there have only been a very select few... I love it. I love it. Congratulations it. to the graduates. Do it. Do it. I told this story last year, I think, but you know, West Virginia posted a social media post congratulating, congratulating Lee Coba. On graduating and other schools saw that he graduated and immediately reached out and tried to get him to leave West Virginia last summer like this was May June early June um, to get him to leave the program and essentially they had to make a choice here of kind of don't want to advertise that these kids are graduating which that's that's terrible like you know you want to congratulate them for their accomplishments but the moment you put out there on social media that guys have graduated, it's like a for sale sign on their forehead that it, it, it's free range to go out there and try to poach them away from this program. So a, a very distinct lack of congratulations to graduates on the current program. It's terrific. Great sleuthing, great conspiracy, but it's absolutely true, too. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. 
The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. One more thing, just I'll put the, the finger on this and you can tie the ribbon around it. You notice that West Virginia did not sue the NCAA and they're going to draw that line and they're not going to go there because they imagine right now how if it was if it was more significant than one player, if it was more significant than this actual player, imagine how mad Neil Brown would be at like Gordon Gee or or I don't know, Josh Tyler, Raekwon Battle, Rem Baker for suing the NCAA because all of a sudden West Virginia is the program that did this. And now they have a player that sued and. Ultimately, it's the seven states and their antitrust suit that um, has this injunction in place right now. But battle testified for sure. But one reason that West Virginia was careful to separate itself. And, and you're right. Did they push for it and fight and fight and fight? Sure, they did. They had a duty and a responsibility and also a, a want and a desire to do that, too. But they did not sue because look what happened here, too. Let's go over the rest of the portal, Chris. Since we last spoke, which was before the game against North Carolina, uh, Dura Jai is the big one. Jared Bartlett was the other name, a starter. I guess Keyshawn Cobb technically went in, although he had been gone for a while that he'd announced it, I suppose. Nobody came back, which I think that's probably an infrequent occurrence. Quantity, quality, sliding bar here, I guess, but 16 players, I believe 14 on scholarship, and lost snaps. You're not looking at a wealth from outside of Bartlett. You mentioned the infrequency of Durajai playing, but an important part of the program, and they're they're leaning on the defensive line. Further down the, the list here, heard of part of the future, not the present. Kind of a mixed bag, but we, we did this a little bit before. Not much has changed, but I would think, all things considered, when you look at who they lost, the replacements they have lined up either on the roster or on the way from the transfer portal, you knock on wood, of course, and you never know for sure, but it does seem like that they made it out of this in fairly good shape and certainly better than they have in the past. The, the, that's the important part here, I think, is that this is by far the best they've been as far as their ins and outs at this point in the cycle for, for transfers. And and that's important. You're making progress. You're getting, how did he phrase it or, or you phrased it? Like, it's almost like a ledger. You know, you got your in black and the red and you just want to have more coming in than, than going out kind of thing. And yeah, numbers wise, would you say sixteen and fourteen of them scholarships, and only six coming in right now? But snaps wise and contributors wise, all six of those guys coming in are expected to compete for a starting job right away. Out of the fourteen guys who are on their way out, what or five, you know, were expected to compete for a starting job next season. So uh, I think you're you're making positive strides with the program right now. And the only other one I would add in there that is not technically listed anywhere, but I think we all kind of knew for a while as well. It's been discussed on the board was, was defensive lineman Jalen Thornton officially announcing, you know, like that was his last game, which he hasn't shown up in the portal. So I kind of take it to that to be a a retirement from the game rather than a transfer. I I think he wants to get into life. Uh, He has some opportunities waiting for him. Bright kid graduated. uh, uh, People can't say enough about him and are really happy off the field, and are really happy that he had a, a really nice senior season and tied it up at the end with a, a couple of a really nice games at the end, but also the bowl game, too. He was good. Just to uh, figure out where people have gone who have left, Chris, not a lot of guys have landed yet. It's early. I understand that. But so often you see people go in, 
And boy, it's the darnest thing. You can't tamper and you can't have communication, but somebody's in the portal one day and is committed either that day or soon thereafter. Hasn't happened too much. We have had some movement, though. Um, James Hurd to Syracuse. Mike Lockhart, SMU. There's one more I can't find. Oh, yeah, Ja'Shawn Polk, San Diego State. And uh, I believe Danny King ended up at Southern Utah. But you have not seen guys like Hershey McLaurin, Christian Stokes, Davis Mallinger, Andrew Wilson Lamp, Justin Johnson, Lance Dixon, Keyshawn Cobb, Bartlett, Durajai end up anywhere else yet. Not to be surprised, but if you're keeping score, that could be interesting for you. Yes or no, Chris, would you welcome the following players back? And this this means like they're on the field, they're off the field. Ooh, this is going to be tough. Are you ready? Uh-huh. Durajai. Talent-wise, the answer is absolutely yes. I'm curious, you know, relationship-wise, how this all went down because it seemed to be kind of sudden and after the fact and obviously related to this ruling. So, you know, Neil Brown has made a point of talking about some of the guys who have left have not fit in the room or had, you know, kind of, bad relationships or bad vibes or whatever, however you want to phrase it. And and on it, I mean, maybe this was amicable. I have no clue right now, but that all depends on that relationship and, and him, not necessarily with Neil Brown, but with AJ Jackson and that defensive line room. That's a good point. We don't know what we don't know. And sometimes that's the most important stuff too, but if it's salvageable, yeah. Bartlett, I don't want to ask that question because I think he's made it clear he wants to go. I've heard that he's indicated he wants to try the SEC. He's from down there. I believe he's born in Miami, went to school in Georgia. I didn't want to ask that, but I mean, he did it well, I think, but you could also understand like shake hands, move on. Uh, Keyshawn Cobb. No. Right. Probably. I mean, you're lacking some safety depth, but yeah, I think you're okay. They really liked him. That's a weird one that went south fast, I guess, too. Uh, Lance Dixon. No, no. Justin Johnson, Jr. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell him to get out of there. No, but. And you can't with the running back depth in the situation you have right now. Right. Wilson Lamp? No, I think it was pretty clear that was that was done. But no. McLaurin. Yeah. Wouldn't mind keeping him around. Okay. And again, safety depth is an issue. I think he's he's got his flaws, but he also has some positive traits and, and would be a contributor next year for sure. Mallinger? No, I think everybody's okay with, you know, again, like solid player, but some injuries, not sure what position. And when you're doing all that, I think it's time to move on. Aaron and Bram are both knows. Right. Christian Stokes. I would have liked to have kept him to just keep working on it, but it's a developmental player. Yeah. Pretty touted prospect gets hurt, takes a year to get ready, changes positions. It seemed like he never got his feet in the ground. Never mind, got going. Um, Big weekend, though, Chris, coming in, looking to add. I shouldn't say weekend. Today's Wednesday. There's guys on campus today, I believe, if not on their way. You mentioned 16 out, 14 scholarship, 6 in. The 6 in, Oklahoma State receiver Jaden Bray, uh, Gardner Webb. We're going to call him Bandit, right? Ty French, Louisville safety Josh Minkins, Duquesne cornerback Aiden Garns, Colorado State cornerback TJ Crandall, Ohio State linebacker Reed Carrico. So, You've kind of seen the focus on, in particular, the defense and the defensive backfield. An edge rusher, because they have to improve that, and a receiver, because they have a little bit of wiggle room and they can make that better. What is on tap? Who is on the way? 
where should people be looking for possibilities for additions to this hall? Well, the three guys that are currently set to come to town, and and we've been talking about these guys for a while, but they're working in the trenches right now. Elijah Hills from Albany, defensive lineman. TJ Jackson from Troy, another defensive lineman. And Xavier Balsley from Jacksonville State, originally from South Charleston. He was a guy that I went back and looked. I was like, wait, I thought I saw him at camp. And sure enough, I saw him at camp, and I even had him on the list of one of the players most likely to commit to WVU. I thought he might be a guy that got an offer after that camp performance. Went down, started Jacksonville State. Very, very good. Now, back in the portal, potentially coming home, looking at a lot of schools nearby. So trying to refill that defensive line room, you know, with Lockhart and Durajai leaving and Thornton, you know, calling it a career. Adding two game-ready guys like Hills and Jackson would be pretty solid. That that, that would be great. You know, I'm not going to pencil them in as a starters or anything like that, but certainly rotation guys and when we had hills on the list early and then jackson said he was coming to town and i was told they were working out a couple things and i thought it was related to credits and maybe it was related to the durajai situation because west virginia is very limited on official visits right now we'll get to that in a minute so i knew they weren't going to bring in both of them unless both of them were takes and now they are both definitively takes um, to be in this class if 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 they're willing to commit. Hills is an interesting one. Like I understand the TJ Jackson stuff. That's an FBS guy, some belt, played really well, two all conference seasons there. Hills is the guy that I've looked at a couple of times, like, okay, what is it? Because he does not have the outstanding numbers. Uh, not a not a massive guy. I don't know what his workout freak numbers are or anything like that, but I think it's like six two, two eighty. He does fit the part there, but you're you're talking a guy who had thirty one tackles, nine tackles for a loss, one and a half sacks. Well he's active though. Uh, forced a fumble, recovered three fumbles, blocked three kicks. So they might have seen something intangible that they like about him. And also a New Jersey guy, I'm assuming that they probably had some sort of interaction with him before in the in the portal too, but that would be an addition right there too. Not in town, but perhaps on the radar. Do you see players or positions that previously or due to recent events are of need on the radar now? The other two spots that Neil Brown mentioned back on signing day, um, or maybe it might have been after signing day. One of the press conferences he did um, there in December was uh, defensive backfield is still a thing. Like that's still going to be an option for them, something they're looking at, and that's understandable. I'd we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe they kind of feel out the spring and then add after spring, which is something they did last year. The other one and the one that I really raise an eyebrow about, and I wonder about future roster movement. Let's say is he wants another multi-year transfer at tight end, yeah. a guy that has multiple years at tight end. Now, Cole Taylor's coming back. Traylon Davis is coming back. There's five other scholarship tight ends on the roster already with multiple years and another one coming in the recruiting class from high school. So makes me wonder what's going on there. And maybe we got a hint of one of those things because uh, – Blah Marshall posted a picture of the wide receiver room, and in that wide receiver room was PJ Johnson, who was a tight end before. So I guess that's one out of that room. And then, you know, maybe more is coming. Maybe somebody's leaving. Maybe somebody else is moving positions. We'll see. They talked about Johnson maybe ultimately as a slot guy in the future. Um, maybe he gets a year in residence just learning blocking and around the line of scrimmage and, and playing. I guess they would call that the Y position or the H position. I don't know. 
maybe now that they say, you know what, you're you're slick, you're not gonna it doesn't do you a whole lot of good to gain a whole bunch of muscle and to get up to two fifty right now. Help us in the slot, do some things like that. That might be an interesting addition there too. And that might also take them off the hook for having to add a receiver too, if that's a guy that they can develop over time. Let's conclude by extending off of that the numbers game, Chris. Got to get to 85. We've established they were well over before. There's no need to worry about that. There's time to go out. You, just because you have players committed and you're over 85, if they're not enrolled, doesn't really matter. There's a bunch of semantics there and logistics that West Virginia's not breaking any rules. However, they also can't break rules, and you can only have 85 players on scholarship. We are still over, Chris. Not as highly over now, especially with Durajai in the portal. It certainly limits who could come back, and it makes you wonder because three guys are on campus. They've talked about a couple more. Multi-year tight end. You don't want that room too crowded. Perhaps somebody's leaving? Don't know. The cup runneth over by how much, Chris? Currently, with the last, let's say, transaction being Durajaya leaving, West Virginia is at 89 scheduled scholarships for the 2024 season. That's 61 players returning. From last year's roster, 22 high school signees, and six verbal transfer commitments. Um, so four over, at least. Again, they're bringing in three more guys, talking about a couple more. I believe Neil Brown said four was his goal on the transfer market. Um, so if you're four over and you're targeting at least four more, four plus four, need eight to go. Um, you mentioned the timing of all this. Again, I believe we said this on a previous podcast, but it's 85 enrolled. And uh, was it 16 or 15 of those high school kids are not enrolling until May or June? So you do not have to be concerned about those numbers until May or June. So eight guys, I guess, need to leave by May or June. And, and I think that's reasonable to expect that to happen. You get some attrition. Certainly graduation post-spring when the portal opens again, that, that'll take care of a lot of it, too. And, and as we found out, likely to be a surprise or two along the way. Anything else, Chris? That's it on the transfer front for now. Um, oh, no, one quick thing. For now. <laughs> yeah, for now, but one quick thing. I, I mentioned, I said, hey, we'll talk about official visits later. Numbers are tight. Anybody that you see coming up for an official visit this week, Again, this is a January 3rd to January 7th is the only time only for transfers to visit. Then after that, they have to wait till the open period, which is the following week. And they can just kind of visit and then enroll whenever school starts. But anybody coming up on an official visit right now is a definitive no doubt because West Virginia is very limited on how many official visits they have right now. You get 56 per cycle and you can carry over six more if you did not use them. So... I believe, yeah, West Virginia carried over some. How many? I don't know. That's not, you know, that's, you know, their information. But by my count, with these three guys that are coming in this week, West Virginia is at 59, maybe 60 visits. So best case scenario, there's only two or three visits left from now until March. So if they're coming up, they better be good and they better be takes. Yeah, and that's, again, not to go back to this, but that's another reason Durajai was a big one, too. Like, they recruited him before. I don't know if he took a visit or not, but imagine if a guy had been here a year before visiting. Your campus didn't change that much. Your coach is the same. Um, man, just that, that was such a good idea when it lasted, and all of a sudden the rules change, and 
uh, let's I'll just stop kicking myself here because I thought that was the way of the future. And certainly the future is not what it was just a couple of weeks ago. We'll be back in the future to talk a little bit more about the Mountaineers. This time, the ones playing basketball. Big 12 gets opened up this weekend. West Virginia on the road against the number one team in the net rankings for the first Big 12 game at Houston. Piece of cake. Don't get carried away yet. We'll cover that in the coming days. Until then, I am Mike Casaza. I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you then.